A dead MI6 agent, microchips, icy boats, bond chased on skis, beluga caviar and vodka shaken, all in the pre-title sequence of A View to a Kill. Hi, this is Dan Silvestri. Tom Pizzotto. And Vicky Hodges. Of SpyMovieNavigator.com and our show, Cracking the Code of Spy Movies. Today, we slip across the ice and snow in A View to a Kill. All right, after a gun barrel sequence, the gun barrel circle opens up onto a helicopter flying across frozen ice and snow. We see a bunch of skiers as the camera pans back, and then one skier in particular, dressed in a white parka, and he's moving snow aside with his hand with some type of device in his hand that's beeping, like maybe a homing device. Okay, so now we're immediately intrigued. I like this, because now we're wondering what's going on, right? Who is this, and what's he digging for in this ice and snow? So, and I love the fact that we've got another Bond movie with skiing, because I really like it when Bond's skiing. Yeah. And we know that Willie Bogner is behind the camera, so it's going to be filmed well. Mm-hmm. He was the cameraman who also did On Her Majesty's Secret Service. Fantastic. Spy Who Loved Me and For Your Eyes Only. Yeah. I mean, he knows how to shoot these ski sequences. And this was the last movie he did before he took over his father's uh, sportswear company called Bogner. Yeah. Why? What a switch that is, huh? Go take over yeah. a sportswear company. Anyway, well, his, his dad and his mom was one of the designers of Bogner. So, I mean, they'd been doing that for a, a lot of years before he event, you know, he yeah. started working for them and sidelined it, you know, did side work with the Bond stuff. All right. So now we're more intrigued as we see military personnel on skis and the helicopter radioing perhaps the position of our white parked man. A snowmobile and military personnel on skis with rifles seem to be closing in on Bond. James Bond, of course. As we see a close-up of our white parkit friend, it's Roger Moore in his seventh and final outing as James Bond. All right, at least in this skiing snow chase scene, he's wearing white, which might help him camouflage himself on the snow as he skis. Unlike... The Spy Who Loved Me, where he's wearing this bright yellow outfit with a red backpack. All right, progress here, I think. Q's idea? I don't know. It's just, I, I like that he's wearing white. Yeah, and, and, and all I know that it works. This white parka is a better color for trying to blend in. <laughs> yeah. We've seen white uniforms used for over a century in military operations in the snow. Yeah. So Bond's parka here makes sense. Absolutely. And besides... I'm transported to Return of the Jedi in 1983 in this sequence. Do you think that Eon is getting that helping of Jedi pie again (laughs) by taking on the snow idea and the Parker-style outfit? Not a bad thing to latch on to. (laughs) Yeah, absolutely. And one thing I would say about this Parker-style outfit, there's a logo on the Parkas, and guess what logo it is? Bogner. Bogner. (laughs) I just mentioned Willie Bogner and his family a second ago. Coincidence. Yeah, they always say Bond movies are a family business. So. Yeah. That's a good one. Yeah. So, meanwhile, the military pursuers are on skis, and we now see a snowmobile vehicle with military personality as well. Yep. Bond is in big trouble and might get killed in this pre-title. Oh, no, not again. Oh, yeah, I'm oh, sure. Well, no. I'm pretty convinced he does, of it. He, well, hang on, he dies later in a movie many years from now. Oh, yeah, we're so, not so never mind. We can relax. He'll get out of this. So, He's Bond. 
Well, that's what we used to say, at least. Right. Clearly, Bond finds the body of another MI6 agent. How do you know it's another MI6 agent? I mean, he doesn't have like a badge that says MI6. How do you know it's his MI6? (laughs) Yeah, he's got a beep. He's got a he's got a, a homing device. That, that bond can read. So you, know, you got to assume they're connected. We make the assumption, yeah. yeah. Well, and I, also the, the parka is the same parka that Bond is wearing. So, yeah. so he retrieves something from the dead man's inner zipped pocket, a heart-shaped locket that Bond opens and dumps in the palm of his hand, a photo and a square electronic chip, it looks like. Obviously, the military pursuers seem to be looking for the same thing. Ah. MI6 homing beacon leads Bond to this fallen fellow agent. And wanting to make sure he has what he's come for, he takes a moment to look at it. Meantime, the enemy is approaching. And he fires an automatic rifle at Bond and bam, just hits the snow. I mean, there's a lot of snow around, (laughs) right? Yeah. (laughs) Much easier to hit the snow than to hit Bond. Another henchman missing. (laughs) All right, so now what? Perhaps another chase on snow skis? Ah, we love the one in Honor Majesty's Secret Service, Mm. 1969, and in The Spy Who Loved Me, 1977. So maybe we'll like this one in 1985. Again, filmed by Willie Bogner. Yeah, there you go. It starts great as Bond leaps into a crevice below to escape, and the pursuit begins. What will we see here? Another Union Jack? Ski pole projectile weapon? Ah, no, no. (laughs) Something new, I think. But lots of bad shooting we do see by his pursuers once again. That's a staple, and now the helicopter is chasing and firing at Bond, a la from Russia with Love and The Spy Who Loved Me when Naomi was chasing him. In all the explosions and falls, Bond loses a ski. Yeah. Okay. So now, now, Vicky, we should be worried because Bond <laughs> lost a ski. He can't ski on one ski, I'm sure. He will never get out of this one alive. Oh, so. but wait a second. He does ski pretty well even on one ski here. <laughs> and I'd say better than his pursuers who had two. Yeah, he's so damn good. And then he, somehow he catches up to the snowmobile from behind. Yeah, I don't know how that, that was happened. good. And he had just removed this grappling hook from his backpack. He attaches it to the strap across the snowmobile driver's back. Yeah, steps aside a bit while still moving. I'm not exactly sure how that works. Yeah, that's, that's a tough right. move. The, the driver goes flying off the back of the snowmobile. Bond jumps on, and he's now driving the snowmobile as the original driver's hanging off of a cliff. Yeah. I mean, Bond is just yeah, amazing yeah. here. <laughs> yeah. He is and amazing. And I love I mean, how he, he kicks he, off his ski to race off. It looked to me to like he's traveling trying to... at the same speed as a snowmobile to catch it. And then when the guy flies off of it, he still has to maintain his speed to jump on it. It's He's amazing. The guy's amazing. <laughs> Bond is good. <laughs> yeah, yes. yeah. And then he has to kick that, that ski off like yeah. he's riding a horse or something. Yeah. No, he looked good kicking the ski off. He looked like, wow, yeah. I'm in control here. All right. But well, wait, what about the helicopter? Don't forget the helicopter. Oh, yeah. Yes, it sees Bond and starts pursuing again. But where was it in the meantime? Yeah. That's a good point. I mean, where was it? You know, where wasn't it shooting at him then? Yeah, that's a good and, question. Vicky. And I would think that's an important piece of information. Where'd the helicopter go? And we never find out. 
Uh, anyway, this time the Gatling gun that the helicopter is firing finds its mark. Yeah. Uh-oh. Yeah. Uh, no, not a Bond, but at the snow- snowmobile itself. Oh. And Bond, knowing that the snowmobile has been hit and that it might explode, leaps off into the snow. And, wow, he was right. It does explode. Amazing. Go figure. With these pieces of it flying through the air, some of which stick in the snow right behind Bond. Lucky he didn't get hit. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's so fortunate. Yeah, yeah, fortunate. And it was convenient, I thought, that the main piece that flew off and landed next to Bond is one of the blades on the snowmobile, which Bond quickly converts into a snowboard and starts snowboarding, (laughs) knocking over armed soldiers and all this other stuff as he continues his swishing down the mountain on his repurposed snowmobile blade that is now his snowboard, which, you know, that's MacGyver-like. I mean, that's just instant stuff. That's really good. Now, Well, and it just fell out of the sky to him. Yeah, it's like, wow, <laughs> this is convenient. And everything fit perfectly. Now, snowboards were actually invented most likely in 1965-ish in Muskegon, Michigan. But some say a view to a kill helped make it more popular. So this was a pretty mm-hmm. popular stunt at the time. Well, Bond is always a step ahead in the technology stakes and also picking up on the popularity of pop culture with new crazies. So look at the free runner in Casino Royale in 2006, Sebastian Foucault. He was the founder of that craze for free running back in 2003. Yeah, that's true. Good point. And now, Dan, you made the comment that snowboards are credited to that guy in Michigan in 1965. And I've read that too. But kind of interesting is that this guy, Tom Sims, he was a skateboarder who created something called a ski board in 1962, okay. which sounds very much like a snowboard. And Tom Sims was Roger Moore's stunt double doing the snowboarding here <laughs> in A View to a Kill. Oh, that's cool. <laughs> yeah, that's yeah. cool. See, we always say in these uh, episodes that you're, whoever's listening, you're going you're gonna, to you're gonna discover something new that maybe you didn't hear before. And that's a good one right there. That's a good one. All right. So, now, remarkably, he has tremendous skill with this device. We do get a leap over a ridge, but maybe it's only 15 feet, but it's not exactly the 2,000-foot leap in The Spy Who Loved Me, but (laughs) (laughs) for a split second, we don't know. We don't know that. So, (laughs) anyway. Now, during this part of the pursuit, the California Girls song that was written by the Beach Boys and performed here by a tribute band called Gidea Park, is playing in the background. Now, that's a good trivia question, because I've been to a bunch of trivia contests where Gidea Park is an answer. Yeah. Who was the band who sang California Girls in A View to a Kill. So I'm, I'm listening to this thinking, hmm, what? In the pre-title, you really cannot understand why it's there, because you're, you're thinking he's getting shot at, he's good, trying to escape, and this kind of fluffy little fun song, California Girls is playing. I'm not going to sing it. Thank you. <laughs> but obviously, it's a nod to California Silicon Valley, which will be the subject of most of the movie and the mission. So, okay. You know, Dan, the way you're kind of talking here about it, this is another one of those things in Bond movies that some people complain about. You've got the Tarzan yell, yeah. you've got the slide whistle. Yeah. I think this song works really well here. First, he's on a snowboard, which makes you think of surfing. And a lot of people hadn't seen snowboards. It hadn't That's been true. in the Olympics yet. Yep. So a lot of people didn't know about that. So he's surfing on snow. And 
as you mentioned, you know, a main part of this movie is about California. Yep. And so yep. I think it's a great tie-in and the people and I think people who don't like it here need to rethink that. <laughs> <laughs> hey, you know, look, it's Beach Boys and I love all of the Beach Boys music. It's just fun stuff. Every one of their songs is just fun. But Bond is in a serious situation here. Not a light moment, but I'm okay with it because it does tie in with the Silicon Valley issue, which is the meat of the movie. <laughs> mm. Okay, let's move on. So, Bond skis off another hill and into yeah. icy water. But his snowboard now performs like a water ski and he glides across the water and back onto the snow as his pursuers on regular skis splash into the water, ending their pursuit. Yeah. Didums. That's amazing. They needed snowboards, obviously. Yeah, <laughs> absolutely. I love the yeah. fact he just goes zipping across the water and they go splash. Yeah, yeah. They, that thing <laughs> well, turned out to be a good device. <laughs> but Bond is safe. Oh, no, wait, the helicopter. Right, <laughs> we're forgetting the helicopter. And ah. apparently... The helicopter pilot and crew keep forgetting about a persistent pursuit yeah. of Bond. They just occasionally remember, oh, yes, well, we've got to get him. Okay. So they pursue Bond. Yeah. Now one leans out of the helicopter, firing an automatic rifle at Bond and missing, yes. Yeah. But Bond, ever notice that a few seconds after the guy is firing the helicopter, we hear and see the bullets <laughs> impacting the snow near Bond? Yeah. Slow rounds of ammunition, I guess. I mean, the velocity of those bullets have got to be super slow motion. I don't know. Come on, we know continuity has never been a strength in a James Bond movie. That's true. Don't expect it here. Yeah. All right, so now Bond pulls out some kind of flare gun or rocket gun or smoke grenade gun or something, and he fires at the helicopter. And yes, wow, one shot right into the helicopter cockpit, and the pilot cannot see what's going on as orange smoke is billowing out everywhere. And bam, the helicopter, like in From Russia with Love, crashes. But this time, into the side of a mountain. And yes, it explodes. Gloriously, but it explodes. <laughs> yeah, don't, don't go back and watch that like frame by frame because it looks good at real speed. Yeah. But if you, break, if you break that up, it's like, hmm, I needed a little more editing. Yeah, and now this is also another one of those many things we've seen reused from Bond movies that were brought into A View to Kill. So Bond's been eluding these pursuers, and there's a lot of pursuers, and only one Bond, but there's a lot of pursuers shooting at him and everything. But he's he's been eluding them for a long time, like four and a half minutes, I think, in the pre-title sequence, which, <laughs> you know, well, that's pretty long. <laughs> oh, if this podcast were only four and a half minutes. That's what many are saying now. <laughs> and we're sure he has no idea exactly where he is because he's been eluding these guys for four and a half minutes up and down crevices all over the place. I mean, he's got to be lost. <sighs> so is he? And <laughs> he skis across the water, like you said, Vicky. And wow. What the heck? Out of all of the skiing, turning left and right, up and down, everywhere he's going, in the distance, he sees a circle with a Union Jack on it. Well, it kind of pops up. Yeah. What? He's in the right place at the right time with hey, all of this bomb. stuff happening? <laughs> that is amazing. I think that's, that's the most amazing part of this entire movie. 
<laughs> well, now, did that thing with the Union Jack move to where he was? Oh, was he that would be rough. We don't, we don't know. No, that would we be impossible. That, that would be impossible as we discover what it is. There's no way. That's keeping up with Bond. <laughs> so this is just one of those moments where you go, ah, yeah, okay, yeah, it's Bond, so, you know, whatever. A willing suspension of disbelief. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> right. Uh, all right. So, naturally, Bond is going to run towards the Union Jack. You know, if the enemy wanted to trap him, that would be a good thing to do, I think. You, <laughs> you put a Union Jack up, there goes Bond. You got him. Forget about chasing him down snow and stuff. Anyway, <laughs> he goes right at the Union Jack, and it looks as though it's coming out of a mound of floating ice, this round Union Jack thing. But... Another Union Jack in a ski chase scene? A certain callback for sure to the spy mm. who loved me, obviously, right? Yep. So Bond gets... Now, I, I do have to say, the Union Jack in a spy who loved me was ah. much better yeah. than yeah. the use of it here. That was optimal usage. Yeah. That was yep. perfect. So Bond gets to the Union Jack, and it's indeed a hatch, and he enters this thing that looks like floating ice. Wow, what is this? So some skiers are still in pursuit and are just catching up to him, but he's in this device already. And inside, what else? A beautiful woman <laughs> who, turn, who turns to him and says, I thought you'd never get back. Yeah, now, now this is the character. She never gets a name in it, but it's she's credited as Kimberly Jones, played by Mary Staven. Okay. And I'm not sure about you, but why did they do her hair up like she was trying to look like Farrah Fawcett? She did I mean, it's look all like feathered. Farrah This is a little after the Farrah Fawcett craze. I thought the same thing. And uh, you know, I, I, quite honestly, I'm glad that look is over. <laughs> yeah. Farrah, Farrah Fawcett always had, had wrinkly knees, too. I, I, and, uh, you know, in all her pictures, she had wrinkly knees. I was like, ah, I didn't like that. Anyway. <laughs> I, I didn't look at her knees then. <laughs> <laughs> you didn't get that far. <laughs> <laughs> well, when you Anyone got posters tell. on your bedroom wall, it's easy to look at. No, I'm just kidding, everybody. <laughs> anyway, Tom, Mary St uh, Stavin was in Octopussy right before this movie. She played one of Octopussy's girls, and that's how she was credited in that film. This is another example of Eon Productions using the same actors for different supporting roles in different Bond movies. Yeah. We have the same thing with our friend Derek Lyons and Terence Mountain both of whom we've interviewed for our podcast. Yeah, absolutely. Those guys are great, too. Fun podcast, too. Those guys are they fun. Yeah. All right, so Bond came in this device and is now back. So that now that part is clear, I think, because she said she thought never returned. So, okay. Now, Bond I says... I thought you were making some kind of joke with the way you just said that <laughs> Oh, Tom, only Tom, only Tom. It's a good one, though. Well, you know. All right, and now Bond says... Well, there was a heck of a crowd on the piece. Now, I couldn't understand what Bond said there. The word "piste" was hard to understand. Well, it's hard to understand because it's not a word you, you hear all the time. Yeah. And, of course, a piste is a marked ski run or a path down a mountain for snow skiing, snowboarding, or other mountain sports. So I thought this was a perfect word for Bond to use here, especially since it implies it's a run for sport. And, and I agree with you that this was a great word here. Now, what I don't know is 
if you're a skier, because I'm not a skier, is that a common word? Yeah, but I don't know. A, for a non-skier like me, uh, that was a new one on me too. Yeah. Well, what I was just going to say about this word, Bond actually didn't stay on, on the track, did he? Went off all over the shop, so you know, he didn't really seem to stay on the beast. He went off down sides of mountains and across water. And yeah, <laughs> right. yeah. He, he definitely got off the run. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But, yeah. you know, the sport part is the fun thing. You know, and of course, it's Bond, so yeah, Bond's mm. damn good at this sport stuff. All right, so back to the woman. <laughs> As she's watching the military pursuers on a screen, she says, So I see. Mission accomplished. Ah, to which Bond responds in a very Bondian way as he pulls items from his backpack. Best beluga, <laughs> vodka, rather shaken, mm-hmm. and uh, one microchip. As he's holding up the locket that he retrieved with the microchip that Vicky was talking about earlier. And she mm. says, Good. I'll make a signal to M. Now, an outside shot shows this oddly shaped ice and snow is really a boat motoring away. <laughs> cue. Cue it as best. I mean, this is a pretty cool device. <laughs> well, see, this makes me groan because why would Q build an iceberg boat? <laughs> Did he say to M one day, just... you never know when one of our operatives may need to hide in the icy wasteland. It's just a bunker <laughs> thing. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Hey, uh, hey uh, M, I need a million pounds to build an ice boat. What? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> in the shape of an iceberg. Now, the case. other thing is with this boat, where did how was she monitoring what was going on? Because when you looked at that thing, there there really didn't appear to be a, a camera there. No yeah. periscope. Yeah. I don't know. Uh, there may have been a secret periscope in there. I, I I'm not sure. But again, it's the same kind of thing as the spy who loved me with the Lotus. You know, how many yeah. times are you going to need a submarine car just in case? Okay. All right. Well, that's true. <laughs> So Bond, in a line that probably today you would not hear Bond say in a movie, he says to her, Be a good girl, would you, and uh, put her on automatic? And we uh, could do with a couple of glasses. <laughs> All right. So he's removing <laughs> his boots. She dims the lights. And a panel behind Bond rises showing three monitor screens. And she says, Then the overhead rack. All right. I'm not going to go with the overhead rack. Good. Joke. <laughs> Good. Let me stop you there because I wanted to make a comment to Vicky on this. We're, we're going to move off of that for a second and you can take it going forward. But if you notice, Vicky, Dan said, be a good girl and won't, won't you and put her on automatic. Mm-hmm. And if you remember an octopus, you yep. were, you had made the comment about, he used the expression, fill her up. Mm-hmm. Another oh. example of a vehicle being referred to in female yeah. terms as opposed to male terms. Yeah. So as she's mm-hmm. reaching up for the glasses, not far from Bond, he looks her over, not not discreetly. <laughs> and Bond pushes a lever and it thrusts the boat forward, throwing her into his lap on this semi-circular seat. And she exclaims, Bond. And he says, Call me James. It's- Five days to Alaska. <laughs> and he takes her in his arms and starts kissing her. It must not be very far if it's five days in that craft. <laughs> yeah, because, yeah, it must be two miles. <laughs> uh, 
Oh. I must admit, this has a similar feel to the pod Bond and Triple X were in at the end of The Spy Who Loved Me. Oh, yeah. I had yeah. the exact yeah, yeah, same yeah. feeling when watching this. Mm. Yeah, yeah. I mean, the back part of that craft. Now, the cool thing was, I don't know if you noticed it, when he was sitting there, it was a seat. And then when she pushed that throttle in, the seat raised and made it a bed. Uh. But it had a very similar feel to that pod. And Spy's production designer was Ken Adam. And I think here, Peter Lamont was giving a little homage to Ken Adam here because uh-huh. it had a very, very similar feel. Or homage. Or homage, whichever <laughs> is correct. <laughs> All right, roll the Maurice Binder title sequence. Yeah, it starts off nicely with a woman with glowing fingernails slowly unzipping her tight jacket to reveal the titles. But then we immediately see... That cheap laser graphics, like we saw in the Octopussy title sequence, the orange 007, the projectiles from guns. Wow. Ugh. Did they not learn? Oh, my God. Silhouettes of women skiing on snow skis and boring, (laughs) boring graphics and, well, everything. Oh, my God. I actually like the trippy, glowy stuff in oh, this sequence. I didn't like I the octopusy too. one, but this one's oh better. My God. <laughs> but it's helped with a great Bond song. This is a good Bond song. It and is. I wish they'd use a band again going forward. Yes. Rather than just an individual singer. If we go forward, who knows? <laughs> I think Duran Duran is up for uh, entry into the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame right now. I, think. I, thought, they, I thought they made it in. Well, I thought they were talking about it today. Hmm. I can't remember. All right. The song lyrics, Dance Into the Fire, plays while a woman is dancing, well, uh, into the fire. (laughs) That's clever, I thought. God. Hey, they're keeping it they're keeping it consistent. Continuity, Dan. Uh, (laughs) A View to a Kill plays by Duran Duran. Now the song did well, and I think it was the only, I think this is true, that it was the only Bond song, the only Bond theme song, to reach number one on the Billboard Hot 100, I think up to then at least. Up to then at least, yeah. yeah. But beyond the song, well, uh, I say, uh, oh, well, hey, yeah. They do switch from an orange laser, which, you know, this is cool. They did switch from an orange laser light to a white one and then a green one for the gun projectiles later in the title sequence. So, wow, I mean, that was a thrill. this title sequence has got to be and i'm not sure you're quite letting us know your feelings here (laughs) i think it's got to be one of the lamest title sequences of any bond movie it's a bore after a decent not a tremendous but a really decent pre-title sequence if we want a barometer or measurement for boring title sequences in case i haven't made my point yet Okay. This is a great, great candidate. It establishes a new low for Bond movies. I'm going to stop you here. I totally disagree with you on this one. Oh, really? I think this is a much better title sequence than we had in Octopussy and Four Your Eyes Only. In those pre-title sequences that we did, I, I kind of criticized those. Now, for one, for me, it starts out with this woman unzipping her jacket. Yeah. And the 007 logo, <laughs> it appears to release from a compressed state yeah. along with her chest. Yeah. It, I think that worked very well. Yeah. And I thought it was very well done. I think it felt contemporary. I love that day glow or fluorescent colors they used. Uh. So is this title section as good as in On Her Majesty's Secret Service ah, or even no. no Time to Die? No. But I thought it was much better than the previous two movies. Mm-hmm. 
And that said, it was made to cover the pre the, the title sequence and the song were made to cover the pre-title sequence and doesn't have a lot to do with the rest of the movie. Mm. Now, the fact that I like the song does help. Yeah. Yeah. <sighs> okay. Vicky, what'd you think? You liked it. I'm in, I'm in total agreement with Tom. I, I, I think it's better than Octopussy and For Your Eyes Only. Okay. I, 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 like, I like all the, I like, say, I like all the, the trippy uh, neon, because it's all, all very 80s, all those sort of colours were, were around. Yeah. Um, I, remember my, I remember my sister having some pink fluorescent fingerless gloves and it, all that sort of colour and the oranges were all around at that time, so it fit in. With the time, yeah, yeah that's true. And we got, I got an orange, bright orange shirt, and some orange. I remember a green shirt or green shorts. I don't remember, but we're that same kind of thing at that time. Yeah, and I think yeah, that totally I, I, worked. Dan, I you're wrong. Could have, you're wrong. No, I think it could have gotten away with it once. An octopusy was enough. We 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 had enough of the neon. But anyway, yeah, but we didn't have this 007 unzip like that. No, not exactly. No, so that was a new exciting event. Okay. All right. I think that's it. We've taken this apart. <laughs> we have seen Bond survive still another pre-title sequence, and he is now ready for his mission. So, hey, that's a wrap. This has been Dan Silvestri. Tom Pizzotto. And Vicky Hodges. Of SpyMovieNavigator.com and our show, Cracking the Code of Spy Movies. If you like our show, please share info about it on your social media and subscribe to our show. Follow us on Facebook, Twitter, YouTube, and Instagram, too. Send us your comments, and we may include them in an upcoming episode. Thanks for listening. We appreciate it.